Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the June of the Delicious Podcast, the monthly magazine show that takes you behind the scenes of Delicious Magazine to meet the producers, the food writers and the people who are what British food is all about. This week we're at Bolney Vineyard in Sussex to taste the bumper crop from last year's stupendous summer and find how its leftovers inspired a very British gin. We're at Catering College with a very different class of 2019 and choosing fish for the barbecue with urban fishmonger Robin Moxie. Food writer Selina Periampelai gives us a taste of her Mauritian home and Bake Off's Benoit Blanc takes us to work at Le Manoir au Cassaison. But first, editor Karen Barnes tells us what's making its way onto her desk this month. Well, the thing that seems to be coming thick and fast at the moment is nut butters. Can't get enough of them, or rather... There are never enough of them on my desk. Um, And it's an interesting one because I hadn't really noticed it too much until I was judging uh, an early round of the Great Taste Awards uh, last week and a couple of weeks before that. And there were so many nut butters that had been entered. It just reminded me of the fact that there are a lot of them being made by lots of small producers but also some larger producers as well and uh, some really good quality offerings out there um, palm oil free which is so important yeah presumably as a result of the rise in veganism and vegetarianism um, a lot of people don't want to eat anything to do with dairy and a nut butter is a fantastic option it's a great option and also it gives you a good hit of protein it gives you that sort of rich um, umami taste that uh, vegans and vegetarians are so often missing or looking for um, and for people who just love their, their nut butters, yeah. there are so many different varieties, yeah, I've got, got several here well there's, um, I'm a big fan of pip and nut because they do um, nut butters in, with lots of different types of nuts so there'll be, there's a cashew nut one which is delicious and an almond one, I don't know if you've had that mm. very good um, there is a brand that's come across my desk just recently called, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's Yamello. And it's got a bit of date whizzed into the, into the nuts. And you would think that would make it very sweet, but just a hint of sweetness in there and it spreads really well. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. I know um, one of the things that people find quite tricky with them just popping the top of this is that a lot of nut butters separate a lot and you have to give them a really good stir yeah. um, that doesn't bother me I don't no. know if it bothers no, no. you um, this it's one's a bit like tahini isn't it you know, it's, yeah, it's exactly. a bit unsavoury when you, when you open, the, open the jar but give it a good old stir one of my favourites is um, Meridian and they do rich roast peanut butter which gives you that roasted flavour which is also 
very, very good. And actually, the separation isn't too bad in there. But you can see from the colour, can't you? Dark and rich. And uh, Whole Earth um, is another great brand. I mean, really, what you're looking for, I would say, is what it says on the front of the jar. Nuts and nothing else. Maybe a little bit of salt. And in the case of the one I've just mentioned date is giving a bit of extra complexity but you don't want any palm oil because that's so damaging to the environment and you don't need any other nasties in there it's yeah. just the pure products i think this one's organic isn't it yes this one's organic organic and this is whole earth and guaranteeing no um added sugar again that's a dark roasted one so if you like that really rich nutty flavor that's a good one to try yeah. so yes i i'd say um just look for the purity on the product label and if you are looking to get some more protein in your diet um bearing in mind that it does pack a calorific punch uh it's a good way to go and you've got a great recipe for this in in the magazine or is it online it's online and it's uh, a lot of uh, vegans i've spoken to say that they miss eggs at breakfast time and we created a recipe for a vegan french toast using peanut butter and it's such a good recipe and it just gives you that crunchiness but that sense of satisfaction that the classic egg made french toast gives you fantastic and search for vegan french toast yes on deliciousmagazine.co.uk Now, remember that gorgeous long hot summer last year? Well, while we were packing our picnics, English winemakers were crossing their fingers that it might produce the best wine in its history. I met winemaker Sam Linton at Bolney Vineyard in Sussex, whose 2018 vintage is being hotly tipped by wine experts. And I took her back to when her parents planted the first vines back in the 1970s. It was when I came here, I was four years old, giving my age away now, and it was a, there was a pig farm and my parents bought a, a really grotty little bungalow because they just wanted the land because they walked around and they'd seen what a superb site this was and it was sandstone, south-facing slopes and they just knew they had to get it. So they moved us here out of Surrey and, um, and a nice house and we moved here and it was hard work. My mum worked outside every day of the week and my father worked up in the city and then when he came back at weekends he worked outside with her at weekends and, and that's what they did it was a 24-7 but your mum had obviously seen a bit of the good life hadn't she that old BBC <laughs> yeah. sick girl yeah. so she was knitting yogurt and she was selling to delis yeah. around the area that's exactly what she was doing she loved the good life and she she really loved growing things and horticulture she had a real passion for it and that's what she did we had goats on site so we, yes we did the, the goat's milk the goat's yogurts cheese she used to sell to local delis she used to drive all over to, to sell them she grew marrows tomatoes courgettes sweet corn we had strawberries we did everything on site here and it was fun it was a it was a great childhood my brother and i we ran we ran wild they didn't know where we were or we helped um, and we worked really hard or we went off and had fun in the woods and nobody knew where we'd gone to yeah because there's always that question isn't it why would you take over your parents business most people run like the wind away from their parents business you didn't you stayed no i did run like the wind i came back again (laughs) i escaped and got caught back I went off. I escaped. Well, I actually escaped to um, anything really. So I started off doing hairdressing, Um, anything just to get out of of being here or being sent to university, which I didn't want to do in those days either. And then one day, Mum just said, 
we could really do some help at the vineyard. I'm struggling a bit. Um, I was pregnant with my second child. She said, look, you can bring the kids to work and I can look after them. It would be great because you'd love being a granny. And we just gradually, slowly built it up from there. So to go from, I mean, just from you, to go from a hairdresser to one of the leading English winemakers ever... I mean, really, ever, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it is, yes. I don't think of it in those terms. I just think about what we do here at Bolney rather than what we do nationally. But, well, yes, of course, we're a, we're a leading brand. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, of course, and, yes. And nobody's really done it before. You know, English wine gets better by the year. By the year. That's we were ex- one of the pioneers, so, yeah. yeah. That is an extraordinary journey. And, and this year, it looks like that amazing summer of last year has produced the best vintage ever. Could we even say it's better than the French? Oh, good question. I don't know. I would never like to say one one country's or region's wine is better than the other because we're all so different. Yeah. But last year was amazing. It was one of the very best vintages we've had. We've had a couple of other very, very good vintages, but it was that year where right through the growing season, every single stage was perfect, was 100%. It, everything ticked every box. It's, and when does that ever happen? Well, exactly. It's incredible. You must have been looking out there and go, I Yeah, that's exactly what we were doing. People were moaning to me, saying it's too hot, and I go, no, it's not. It's brilliant. I'm loving it. It was it was amazing because we knew we could see what was happening in the vineyard and I was actually going out walking up and down the vines almost every day just watching it thinking wow okay this is I've seen this before but I've not seen it for a long time Um, so it was great and we'd had a really bad year in 2017 with awful frost so to have a really amazing year in 18 just made up for it all yeah now delicious wine editor Susie Atkins says that you know it is about being a marginal climate that makes England so exciting because sometimes you can have a devastating crop like 2017 and then sometimes you can have that incredible summer like last year isn't that very stressful for you it's incredibly stressful but but this is not just UK based this is worldwide based Uh, the whole world different countries have different issues in the vineyard so I think it's anything to do with agriculture it's just really stressful and we always say it's not over until the grapes are pressed and the juice is in the tanks in the winery and then every English winemaker sits there and goes okay we've done it breathe a sigh of relief we know we're safe because it's now in our control when you're out in the open field when you're relying on mother nature you've got no control over it you can just do the best you can do you winemakers have more of a crystal ball than possibly anyone else on the planet maybe farmers what are you feeling I actually feel quite good about this year I really do sometimes you you have a a feeling where you think "Mm, I'm not sure but this year I actually feel quite good about it so I'm going to touch wood now and Bolney's is the grape that keeps on giving, as I found out from James O. Cooper, MD of Foxhole Gin, who spotted a secondary use from the leftovers when he used to work with Sam at the vineyard. You know, watching all these grapes go into the press and uh, you know all this amazing juice is, is pressed down them to make incredible wines with, and then the press is, is unloaded at the end of it with all the skins, but they're still dripping in delicious juice. Mm. And... Um, you know, we've kind of drawn inspiration from other winemakers around the world who actually used this stuff up. And um, both Sam and I together thought, you know, there's got to be something actually that we should be really doing with this. You know, it's about 30% of, of the vintage is left in those skins. So we, um, we one year, I think it must have been 2013, 2014, we pressed out as much of that remaining juice as we possibly could, uh, sent it for distillation. Um, and then wondered what we would do with it and we both love gin as a category so kind of thought we'd take on the challenge of seeing whether you could make a gin out of 
kind of in- using English wine grapes as your kind of starting point, really. There's some parts of, uh, of, of Europe where, you, by law, the winemakers have to drive their skins to a distillery where it's made into either eau de vie or grappa or, or even industrial ethanol. You know, kind of all of it's used as much as possible. Yeah. So you've got foxhole gin now which has become a real success story in itself and at the moment you're just launching hike tell us about that that's correct yeah so hike is drawing on the kind of inspiration of ourselves, really and, and and kind of the processes and innovations that we develop for foxhole gin and applying that knowledge to the supply chain into the supermarkets so the punnets of grapes that you would go to the supermarket and buy um, through the packing process with a fruit importer that we work very closely with um, we, we've partnered with for hike um, we take any of the grapes that fall off the vines, we press those, ferment them, distill them, and that forms the base spirit for, for hike. So it keeps going round, it's a circular thing? Yeah, it is a completely virtuous circle, essentially. So, and that's, that's what we, as a company, try to help close off, is whether it's within the wine industry or supply chain in supermarkets. It's about just looking at the whole supply chain and that whole journey of what's going on and trying to close that loop to use as much of the available material as possible. Now, Westminster Kingsway Catering College has long been a training ground for excellence, counting Jamie Oliver amongst its many alumni. But pop over at weekends and you're likely to find a very different kind of white coat in the kitchen, as doctors and medical students sharpen their knives on the college's culinary medicine course. I met up with doctors Sumi Barua and Abby Bansali to find out why they're learning to cook. But first, Elaine McInnich, the dietitian on the course, told me why it's so important. So we know that uh, diabetes is rising in the NHS, but we also know that we can prevent diabetes through lifestyle um, education. In fact, we can prevent up to 50% of cases uh, of people who are at risk of diabetes in developing that. Uh, this is first-line information. It's in clinical guidelines in the NHS, but we know that it's not currently implemented by doctors in the UK. Uh, feedback we've had so far is doctors aren't confident to bring that up and that they have had very little training with many um, reporting less than two hours within a five-year degree so we believe that culinary medicine fills that gap the reason that we run this in a kitchen is because we want to talk about the practical aspects So, so giving lifestyle information is not the same as prescribing a pill it has to fit with that person's life so we work the kitchen looking at how we prepare food so that doctors can think about what the practical aspects of to help their patients to make these changes and also how to fit that into busy clinical practice because doctors have an awful lot of other things to do as yeah, well exactly abby you're not are you a gp so I'm, a G, I'm going to be a gp trainee from august okay so you know what a gp setup looks like as we all do we have about what five minutes with our doctor somebody comes to you with diabetes for example how have you been taught to approach that so far so if I had a typical uh, diabetic or a pre-diabetic, um, I'd take a history, um, I'd do a pre- brief examination, um, and then based on my five or six years of medical medical school training, um, I would um, try to come up with a management plan that I'd obviously discuss with one of my seniors. Would um, any of that include food? So it would definitely pop up. I, I, I'd think about, hmm, what could I say about food? Um, but more often than not, I'd have... Those, there's nothing specific I'd be able to tell them yeah. besides the sort of generic things like eat a little bit more fruit, you know, yeah. cut down the salt in your diet, yeah. perhaps eat a bit more whole grain. So how does the culinary medicine course change that? 
So I think culinary medicine is quite innovative in that it gives me the confidence um, to give them practical advice. You know, how do I take my standard dinner, which I cook uh, on a regular basis, and transform it into something that's still cheap, um, healthy, and sustainable? Give us an example. So in one of our first courses, um, we took a traditional spaghetti bolognese and we transformed it into a colourful, more plant-based version with more lentils, with peppers, uh, with some more spices. Now now that's not saying that everyone needs to go plant-based, but it's that sort of just the simple tricks to make your food that much more wholesome. Yeah. Sumi, do you cook? I do cook, yes, and I'm certainly doing a lot more since I've been involved with our non-profit, yes. So just from a a general cook's point of view, Mm. what are you learning that you can take into your practice? Well, it's interesting. So when I see patients, which I do regularly, um, when they're asking me, oh, but doctor, you know, it's so difficult to cook, and I can actually give them little, you know, tricks, and I can signpost. I think that's the key thing. Doctors are busy, GPs are very busy, but if they can just signpost to the right places, there are local cookery clubs in popping up in lots of different areas, which are following you know public health guidance and how to um, cook cheap meals and I think if there's one thing that I can give to my patients it's just the the tips that they need and where they need to go to get further information instead of them walking out my room with you know very little dietary information whatsoever so I think that's been my one take home. What's the top tip for healthy eating that you found in this particular course? I think the one thing that I've learned is it's actually not as difficult as people may think to eat healthily and you can do a few swaps so um, swapping you know your usual savoury or sweet snacks for fruit and nuts and things like that they're little things that we can do and they're quite inexpensive so I'd probably say that's been mine okay Abby prepping for the week so batch batch uh, making sort of a batch of sauce on a Sunday and using that throughout the week to make sure you know if you have a on call you're going to have a meal to go back to hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Selena Periampalai is the new name in Mauritian food in the UK after being nominated for Best New Food Writer at the Jane Grigson Trust Awards this year for her book, The Island Kitchen. Brought up in London in a Mauritian family, I asked her what for her like home. Well, the one recipe that I'm going to talk about today is a traditional beef curry, which is actually inspired by my dad. 
So, um, yeah, my mum inspired me so much through food uh, uh, my whole career, but this one is like my dad's kind of stamp on everything, and he makes it with a really, like, he, my dad takes a long time to make things, so he like, has a glass of wine, and he's very relaxed in the kitchen, very island-like, and um, this traditional beef curry is just embodies the whole just the island feel with the spices of cinnamon masala and it's just like slow cooked beef and it is just glorious that with some rice or some chapatis is just my idea of heaven and you grew up in london didn't you yes i did yeah and did you grow up eating that kind of food oh god yeah yeah i was so lucky i mean i used to have this food um all the time mom and dad you know came over in the 70s and this is the food they used to make and it was just like lentils dal rice curries and it's very home like cooked style like very like comfort food and and it's the kind of food that i love to eat today still yeah yeah and, and you've taken that curry and you've kind of gone back to mauritius and you've yeah. kind of traced your own heritage back yeah. through recipes like that what did yeah. you find how mauritian are you oh god I, I think there is there's an island girl in me still like you know no matter if you know even born from london every time i go to Mauritius and step off that plane I just embody the whole island style of just taking it easy slowing down and enjoying life and you know enjoying the food enjoying nature by being by the sea and it's just um, great it's a great feeling yeah. all, like, all my family's still over there so it's such a nice um, holiday to make every other year yeah the food is a combination of sort of Indian mixed with a lot of Mediterranean flavours I mean I'm surprised mm. that I'm currently marinating a, a fantastic <laughs> bean and vegetable casserole yeah. in my yeah. fridge but it's got a very strong flavour of thyme Yes. As well yes. as cinnamon. Yes. I mean, cinnamon yes. I'd expect, but yes. thyme, where yeah. do the Mediterranean I'm great. Place? I'm so happy you picked that up because um, it has got a very French feel to the food. And I think that's, um, you know, to do with the history of the island and when the French and the British came over and then you had, like, Indian and Chinese. So it's so multicultural and there's so many different types of influences in the food. And that, what, that's really what makes Mauritian food unique. But um, I love that kind of, you know, these light stews with thyme leaves and cinnamon, like really sweet cinnamon spice. And people can be are quite surprised at how light and, you know, these stews are. And then, you, you know, you don't feel too heavy eating them afterwards. Yeah. 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 And mixing that with a coconut rice gives it a real sense of place. Yeah. I mean, like coconuts are everywhere on the island, you know, and um, they use them in everything. Dessert, you know, with rice. Yeah. And what can we expect of you now? More books, pop-ups? You're going to open a restaurant? What are you going to do? Oh, gosh. Um, More supper clubs, uh, pop-ups, and just being involved with more events, spreading the word. I'm loving doing food demos at the moment. So, um, yeah, I I have such a great feeling when I feed people, and they're absolutely happy. So I'm going to keep doing that. And Selena makes her debut on Channel 4's Sunday Brunch on July the 14th. It's almost barbecue season, and with more people looking for options to meet, I popped over to see the urban fishmonger, Robin Moxon, at his shop in East Dulwich to find out what he suggests for a sustainable summer supper. We've got some beautiful, well, one of my favourite fish, and it's probably one of the only few sort of left that's really seasonal, wild sea trout. So these are wild migrating brown trout, and I think they're the best thing out. They're very, very simple to do. They're great for a barbecue, especially when people don't eat when you want them to eat. They're great sort of warm as well. And is that one of those those fish that you can actually eat all of? But pretty much. I like all the... You've got a nice different parts and the belly is a bit fattier. You've got a nice meat around the head. I like to eat all of it. Yeah, all, every single little bit of it really and pick away at it and 
So there's just a like, commentary-like skeleton yeah. left at the end. Yeah. Just open it up and yeah. let everybody just dig in with yeah. their hands. No, yeah. and I like to eat it with my hands as well. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty feral, but there we are. This lady's just getting a little uh, a wild bass, line cork bass, just from the Sussex coast, which is just stunning. And one a great thing, again, on the barbecue, one of my favourites, because it's slightly oily and it has that like, beautiful gelatinous flavour that you get around all the fins and, again, the cheeks of the the fish as well yeah now we've just eaten a skate yeah part of the shark family part of the shark family so i've got one we've got some here so these are blonde wings these have been bought on a plymouth off a day boat market big day boat market yesterday and they're superb and they've got that real well we've just eaten a bit and it was fantastic that really soft flesh no bones just a little bit of partridge in the middle it's fantastic yeah that is the thing with skate, isn't it? You think it's it's quite difficult, but actually it's the cartilage that kind of gives it all yeah, that you sort just, of lovely you just, Yeah, flavor. and you just slide yeah, the meat off that cartilage. It's very easy. There's no bones. Yeah, no, there is no bones. Yeah. Pure cartilage. We've got some fantastic red mullets, and these are quite large red mullets, and they are beautiful. And and they're they're just simple to. They've got that real intense flavour because the red comes from the fact they use they eat a lot of shrimps and things like that. I like the little ch- small ones to use it like in a pasta, but they have almost a, like a crab-like flavour. Yeah. They're real, real dev. But also another great thing to do on a barbecue because it is mackerel. And because they're oily, you can't really overcook a mackerel that much. You can put them on the barbecue, great with a lot of different spices, like Indian flavours and, you know, quite punchy things, but I, and really good value, really tasty. And yeah. we've got some super ones too. And of course, all the dips and things for your starters. We've just had some tarantula and yeah. some macro pate at your restaurant uh, next door uh, to Moxon's in yeah. uh, East Dulwich. There's lots and lots of stuff that you can do. How, how would you make those that macro pate? Well, the macro pate, which we actually we sell here as well, which we make, and the one we, that we make, we use we use these mackerel, which are of like a sashimi grade, very high oil mackerel. We use creme fraiche, lemon juice, and that's it. And that's Nothing it. else. It really is. A yeah, as and that. then you could use, and we've got there some of the whole mackerel, which are stunning. I mean, you could do a similar thing with these smoke, whole smoked trout we've got, and we you can make nice pâtés out of the kippers as well, and they're this lovely smoked mackerel fillets as well. There you go, barbecue. Summer. Yeah, Done. yeah, lovely, very simple. Benoit Blanc, chef pâtissier at Belmont Le Manoir au Quatre Saisons, he's one of the judges at the moment on Channel 4's Bake Off, the professionals. He told Delicious Magazine editor Karen Barnes at a Delicious Reader event in the gardens of Le Manoir if passion was the main ingredient in the making of a pastry chef. It's the only element, I would say, if you are to do that job for as a career, because like any uh, of our industry jobs, it's hard at times. You know, you, you work long hours, it's, 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 it's physical, it's mentally draining. So you need something else to push you forward. And it's not just doing well one day or another day. You have to do that every single day. So passion is something which pushes you to wake up every day and say, OK, I'm going to do that again and give it a go. So where did your passion come from? I, I know that you started a long time ago and that you've risen to great heights in your patisserie skills you are a master patissier but where did it all begin for you i i read a story about you running around at a bakery hiding amongst the flower bags is that true that is absolutely true actually uh there were two bakeries uh, uh in the street where i grew up and i was very good friends with the two sons of those bakers and I spent most of my time playing uh, in the in the fournil, as we call them, which is the kitchen in the bakeries. Were you, were you what I would call a terror? 
potentially around four o'clock in the afternoon when I was uh, looking at some spare pain au chocolat or croissant left on the vitrine, you know, maybe the the mother will be kind enough to give me one. I was a little bit uh, gourmand. Uh, I always had a sweet tooth, and uh, even now today I need to be a little bit more careful because sweet is something uh, I really crave. Karen asked him about the influence on him of his boss Raymond Blanc. Well, RB has been a big part because I've been here 25 years almost. So obviously you can't deny the fact that we've got a very strong relationship and understanding of what the vision uh, or, or, and his vision of Le, Le Manoir should be. Passion but, that is uh, infectious in every way. Yes, but also I've had, I've had, when I met him 25 years ago, it took me six months to come here. But when we met for the first time, I think something clicked and perhaps we've got similar kind of uh, passion in our own right, and that made us work together beautifully for 25 years. The combination of passion, excellence and humility mm-hmm. is, I think, quite rare. And one of the things that makes the, the Manuel Catsaison very special, but do you think those three things are the secret? I believe the genuine side of Le Manoir and the genuine side of the way we work is not something to be mistaken and people appreciate that and that's why we've been a success for 20, success story for 35 years now because it's years. our 35th anniversary this year so here we go that genuine moment where you come and spend it with your family you know you choose to come to Le Manoir and that's something which is very special to, in the heart of many people an emotional contract perhaps definitely definitely yes and finally, Sophie from the food team has been working on a recipe for a traditional Persian rice dish called tadig and has found out a fail-safe way of getting that all-important crusty base. Yeah, well, we were making a uh, Persian rice dig, a tadig, and we thought it's a real, a real struggle to get out of fresh, lovely, crispy base in whole, whole, one whole piece. And so we ended up doing loads of testing, and then actually it turns out that when you um, line the base of your dish with a a big piece of greaseproof baking paper you'll get an absolute perfect crispy crust every single time and incredibly it worked on the barbecue as well thanks for listening to the delicious podcast next week i'm learning how to cook like winner of masterchef 2018 kenny tut in the meantime you can follow my adventures with the hashtag the delicious podcast and rate and review the podcast on itunes see you next week Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.